We believe running is freedom and empowerment. We believe running solves problems and makes people happy. We even believe that if more people run, the world will be a better place. We believe in running because it is our passion. This is the Big Peach Running Company Run ATL Podcast with your host, Mike Cosentino. Hello, everyone. My name is Mike Cosentino. I am your host for the Run ATL Podcast. We will begin right now with this broadcast once again from the capital of the South and alongside my friend and yours, Dolomite Dave Martinez D2. Hello and what a terrific episode, literally and figuratively. It has my heart racing as we commence this episode. Yes, yes. It's uh, good to be here. Welcome, everyone. And uh, yeah, I'm excited. And uh, we had a great conversation. And you, you've you alluded to we're going to talk about things that are near and dear to, uh, I guess, to your heart, my heart. Oh, <laughs> terrific pun. We did have a great conversation. In fact, we will have our featured conversation with Dr. Jonathan Kim at Emory University. He is a heart specialist, a cardiologist, and a researcher who has done and continues to do tremendous work in the field of studying our heart, its impact and its effects with running, as well as continuing to dive into the local running community to find subjects. He's working with the Atlanta Track Club already. In fact, last time I saw Dr. Kim, D2 was at the AJC Peachtree Road Race Health and Fitness Expo. Somebody from his team pulled me aside, said, we know you are in the target market for this particular study we're doing now. Before you knew it, I had my shirt off. I had all kinds of things on my chest. I was laying down and who knows what data they gleaned from me that day, but it shows you he never rests. He is putting together some awesome research right now, and I'm sure it will be years before we see it but he is absolutely a gem to the sport of running. What about you when you think of good heart health? Just without the research or data that I'm gonna throw at everyone here in a second, what do you think the positive impact has been on your life relative to your heart health since you've begun taking your running more seriously? Well, I mean, I, I think what I've learned and experienced is that through exercise and primarily through running um, is that you know, the heart is a muscle. And like anything else, it needs to be worked out. It needs to be strengthened. And I do think through, you know, physical activity, some sort of strenuous activity is going to strengthen that heart. So, I mean, I do recall, you know, when I first started running and trying to run up a hill and being out of breath. And that had a lot to do with your heart, you know, and just your lungs and your, you know, and, and just your whole body getting used to it. And now I don't struggle as much unless it gets really long and very steep. Sure. Um, and the same thing, whether it's a cyclist or any type of other physical activity where you have some strenuous type of activity, the more you do it, the stronger you get. And I feel that's the same thing applies to your heart. And even if it's just emotionally, how good of a feeling is it that when you know it's like, wow, this hill was really a monster for me two months ago or two years ago. And now, not that it's not difficult, but it is easier than what it was because the heart does get stronger. Of course, you do get more efficient and it just pays off and feels so good. What's the more sobering side of talking about heart or more specifically heart disease in these wonderful United States. It is true that about 600,000 people die of heart disease in this country every year. That's about one in four deaths. So 25% of the deaths in the United States are connected to heart disease. The leading cause 
of death for both men and women. Coronary heart disease, which is the most common type, kills almost 400,000 people every single year and almost three quarters of a million people, D2, every single year in America have a heart attack. And that is enough to get anyone's attention. What is on the other side of the fence, and we recognize that there are exceptions. One of our favorite conversations I know has been with Kate Mahivik Edwards. She has a book that we talked about in a previous episode, Racing Heart, and what she referred to as a runner's journey of love, loss, and perseverance, and was truly, rightfully, an exception to some of these things that do very much suggest that a runner, a consistent runner, has a healthier heart. What we do know in most instances is that running can keep out some of that bad cholesterol. It does reduce a resting heart rate, and it does lower blood pressure. These are things that are positive attributes of a regular running or walking routine. And for us, we want to be sure everybody understands that. What an awesome connection. We talk about the satisfaction, even mentally, that comes with running. Here we're talking about physiologically, but you and I are not the experts. Dr. Kim, our featured conversation, he is an expert. And right after this brief message, we'll have him with us. We'll be right back. Fall may seem like it's a couple months away, but training for fall races starts now. As your runs get longer, you'll need additional fuel to power through those long runs and get you across that finish line. Everyone has different needs and tastes, so we recommend that you experiment with different gels, bars, and hydration products to see what works best for you. Stock up and save. Buy 10 or more individual packages and save 10%. Buy a box and save 15%. Club and training groups can combine their discount for additional savings of up to 25% off. Don't be foolish. Come into Big Peach Running Company and stock up so you're long run ready. And welcome back to the Run ATL podcast. This is so cool, D2, to have someone who has been talked about, been written about, and somebody who has been referenced in this podcast now as our featured conversation today. As we told you in our intro, Dr. Jonathan Kim is with us. He is going to give us all kinds of good information, maybe some disclaimers, maybe we will undermine some things you've thought or heard in the past, and we will certainly debunk any myths out there about cardiovascular health and fitness. This is an expert. Dr. Kim, thanks for being with us today. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, you are always excited, and you and I have known each other for a while, and you always have a smile on your face. You're always so much fun to be around, super positive, and I know you are already very, very involved in Atlanta's running community. You were at the AJC Peachtree Road Race recently. You were, of course, a runner yourself, and you get a chance to kind of promote what we call a pedestrian active lifestyle. So before we get into the more typical questions you probably get or more technical questions that everyone's expecting us to ask, what do you just think about the running scene and the relative health of running in and around Atlanta from where you stand? I think it's fantastic. Um, I know with the Atlanta Track Club, certainly with Big Peach, there's a lot of promotion. There's a lot of interest. Um, there's a hashtag out there now with the Track Club about uh, Atlanta as yes. one of the best running cities in the country. Um, you know, in general, um, running in internationally in the U.S., is, is, it continues to be a boom. That's how sports cardiology 
has really grown. It's through the growth of recreational athletes. So if you look at those who complete running races from 1990 to now 2018, what you'll find is a dramatic increase uh, year after year. And what also is very healthy, um, because when it comes to science, I think women are underrepresented, um, is that females now complete running races more than men, if you actually look yep. at these uh, at these curves. Very so cool. I think the state of running is very healthy in this country. And in a city as hot as Atlanta, it's really great to see that uh, it's, uh, even among the hot summer months, you got people out there uh, running hard, and the Peachtree Road Race was a perfect example of that. So, so the state of running is very healthy, and I also see that in my clinic because, unfortunately, while exercise is medicine, it is not a cure, and we still have cardiac risk and disease among the healthiest healthiest of us. And we see these uh, recreational athletes uh, every at every one of my clinics. That's awesome. And and you've lived abroad, you've studied abroad, you've lived in Boston, you've been in places where running has a great reputation. That's why I felt like we had to at least ask you about Atlanta. But here's where I'm going to start. And that is maybe for that person who is not yet elected to join us, to join us in our running or our walking routine. And he or she is probably not yet listening to this podcast, but there are so many of our listeners who D2 and I believe are listening and know this person, the person that might be on the edge of starting a new fitness routine, maybe it's someone they just really, really hope for their own well-being would think about their fitness more regularly. And the advice that we always hear is almost commonplace. It's certainly predictable. Well, you should see your physician before you get started. Or have you checked with a cardiologist with that intent to get started or do something new? But I've never really heard why or whether that truly is good advice. How would you help someone set that up as part of the conversation they would have with the person they're encouraging to get started right away. Uh, I do think it's important, uh, important advice, but that is okay. a bit, that is certainly a generalization. So let's kind of break down that question uh, on many different fronts. Uh, number one, uh, as we get older, coronary artery disease, atherosclerosis, we're all aware of this, obviously the cause of the uh, generic heart attack out there that we're all aware of, uh, the risk increases with age. So as we get older, uh, when we think about cardiac events that occur during endurance exercise, typically atherosclerosis uh, uh, caused events, acute myocardial infarction or having an acute heart attack is uh, literally the number one through 10 cause of, of, what, uh, of why this occurred. So as we get older, uh, it's important for somebody to go through that risk stratification process. It's also important that even if you have no cardiac risk, and we'll talk about that in a second, age by itself is a risk factor. So for those who are 45, 50, certainly crossed over, crossing over into the master level range, uh, I hate to admit this, but believe it or not, master athletes are defined as those older than 35, at okay. least in, in the science. Um, but I think fair enough to say that once you hit your mid-40s, early 50s, that is certainly a master athlete level. It's important for somebody to go through these risk factors. So what are these risk factors? Some of these things are the obvious ones. Did you ever smoke in your lifetime? Uh, do you have a history of high blood pressure, high cholesterol? These are the things that your doctor, it doesn't have to be a sports cardiologist, it can be an internist, will go through. Maybe the most important of all these risk factors is the family history. Has somebody, a first-degree relative in your family, uh, is there a history of those that have, had, that have had heart attacks 
at younger ages, 40s, early 50s. Uh, and there's cutoffs for men versus women. We won't get into that. But the point is, is that that's an important predictor. And it's important for somebody who's engaging in this for the first time, who's been relatively sedentary, to ensure that um, their risk factor profile is low. So when you say see a doctor before engaging in a strenuous exercise program, that doesn't mean you need a stress test, an ultrasound of your heart, all sorts of poking and prodding. It just means it's important for a professional to go through uh, and ensure that there is low risk. And then as you build into that, that's whenever maybe seeing somebody who's more geared towards exercise can be helpful. You obviously aren't going to get out there and start training for a marathon for you know, on day one. You need to yep. build up that endurance, uh, get that conditioning level um, once um, your overall cardiac risk is deemed on the lower side. So that's key point number one. What about for the younger individuals? So it's not coronary artery disease that we're worried so much about, but what about some of these inherited heart conditions? Um, and there's a laundry list of many conditions, probably most of which if I started spouting out right now, people wouldn't have heard. But these are some of the causes when you hear about young athletes who die suddenly on the field. And unfortunately, we hear about this just because they're so high visibility and so highly tragic. Um, these are the causes that uh, lead to these events. The good news is that this is very rare. Uh, but again, I do think um, that it's important for somebody, uh, some medical professional, just to go through some basic uh, risk factor type questions for some of those conditions. And in fact, um, I take care of a lot of competitive athletes, high school, college, certainly college. I take care of the uh, athletes at Georgia Tech here in town. Um, and there are mandated questions that we must go through from a cardiac history and physical uh, to ensure that um, we think these young athletes are low risk and are safe to get out there on the field uh, without worry of some of these conditions. So really throughout the spectrum of life and throughout all ages, really important to kind of go through these questions before getting into a screening or I'm sorry, a strenuous exercise type training program. Well, and, and you mentioned a number of terms, and obviously if you're doing it for Georgia Tech and for athletes, quite frankly, D2, that are younger, one of those demographics that he mentioned certainly covers us. But we know there are also many, many benefits that would come from starting an exercise routine and just as importantly, sticking with it. If we think about some of these items, blood pressure, high cholesterol, perhaps a family history, and then we also think about why we would encourage someone we really, really care about to get started. Help us understand how we best kind of mix what would be the benefits in all likelihood for that general population understanding there are, of course, exceptions. But then also after they have seen their physician and have been given at least a basic level of clearance, what are some of the benefits someone might be able to anticipate? whether they have a deep family history or not, whether or not their blood pressure is at an ideal level or not, or perhaps it's that individual that thankfully, not much of an exercise enthusiast right now, but doesn't have any of that working against them currently either. Yeah, so there's three key words here that everybody should remember, and that is simply exercise is medicine. So once you uh, engage in, in exercise, understand that there are many benefits. The interesting thing, and I think one of the cooler parts about exercise, is that we don't actually understand to the biochemical level why exercise leads to all of these good things. But we clearly know from an outcome standpoint that exercise has beneficial uh, effects on blood pressure. It lowers blood pressure. It lowers your cholesterol levels. Uh, it reduces um, 
your fasting blood sugar, so the risk of diabetes. It improves cardiac performance. It improves cardiac longevity. Those who exercise live longer. We know that. It's not just the heart. If you go from head to toe, exercise has benefits from the brain throughout every organ system that we have. So uh, it's important to not scare people but just to promote that we want people to exercise. In fact, even for many of these cardiac conditions that I just referred to that may have some risk for leading to an untoward cardiac event in rare circumstances during strenuous exercise, we want those folks to exercise still. It used to be for many of these conditions, if you had these, you were told, oh, you can't exercise, you gotta, it's too dangerous. Well, in 2018, there's good science out there, and there's just a recognition that that was probably the wrong thing to promote. And certainly, for many of these things, you're going to need to have the guidance of an expert. But getting out there and being active is so, so uh, important. If you look at the American Heart Association, the recommendation is for 150 minutes per week. That's 30 minutes, five days a week of moderate, vigorous level exercise. So it's not a ton. That's what everybody should be engaged in. The reality also is there are good uh, scientific reports out there that tell us that even if you just get out there and walk 10 minutes a day, um, so very little aerobic exercise, you will start reaping immediate benefits when you look at long-term epidemiologic outcomes. So that is the key point is that um, no matter how healthy you are, exercise is something that should be recommended. And when I talked about looking at cardiac risk, well, that's important to kind of ensure that maybe you either should or shouldn't consider some sort of pre-participation testing um, for those. And this is really geared for those maybe who want to train for a marathon or something like that, and you're 60 years old and you've done it before. Well, yeah, you want to make sure that there there isn't one of these red flag conditions where there should be some sort of uh, maybe some pre-participation testing before engaging in that, in, in that particular um, uh, type of exercise. Um, but... Uh, uh, once we know that many of these individuals have cardiac risk, we promote exercise. So if you have hypertension, that doesn't mean that, well, you have hypertension, you can't exercise. Actually, that's going to be a big part of your prescription. It may be medications, but also promoting at least the standard AHA recommendations for exercise. That's awesome. And, and a couple of things that I'm just going to pull back out. Exercise is medicine. What an awesome thing and so easy for all of us to remember. And then that great guideline, even though it has been published, I think there's always a little bit of mystery in terms of how much. And for somebody who's just getting started, 150 minutes isn't necessarily going to be their first week. That's fine. I don't think anyone here would say, well, my goodness, if they're going to start, that's the starting point. But it gives you something to work towards. We've had a number of guests. And for those of you who have been longtime <coughs> listeners to the Run ATL podcast, you'll remember Malcolm Campbell, episode one, D2. It really takes us back yeah. down memory lane, but he had hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, and yet he would be the first to say, man, get out there and keep running. Be mindful of certain things, but it's just part of what makes every day that much more enjoyable anyway. And of course, Dr. Kate Edwards mentioned you specifically in her book, as you know, Dr. Kim. He um, was uh, able to tend to her not just during those tough moments that you'll read about in the book, but also as she's kind of figured out what does the path forward look for like. If we look at the path forward for a lot of people, they're going to say, well, there's probably also some danger. What are some dangers of exercise that maybe are more generally speaking? We don't necessarily need to go back 
to the arrhythmic right ventricular cardiomyopathy that Dr. Kate exposed us to, but are there general dangers that you would suggest we be mindful of from the seat that you sit in? Yeah, that's a great that's a great question and a great point. Um, and and yes, exercise is medicine. But for those individuals, and 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 you can you can highlight Kate and Malcolm for sure that you want to have some guidance. Um, so we now ha- appreciate that many of uh, or some of these cardiac conditions that we screen for, we've been over restrictive in terms of exercise. Um, but that doesn't mean that that's a free reign towards if you have a diagnosed genetic heart problem or a bad coronary disease that, hey, you know what, just get out there and keep running. Of course, that would be uh, reckless. Um, and so hypertrophic cardiomyopathy is a great example, actually, where 15, 20 years ago, the recommendation was you can't do anything active. Uh, in 2018, there was a recent study uh, which was published up uh, from colleagues of mine at the University of Michigan. It was called the Reset HCM Trial. And it looked at moderate, vigorous level exercise in patients with hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. This wasn't an athlete study. It was just patients with hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. And what it showed was that those who engaged in moderate level exercise actually showed benefit versus those um, who were not exercising. Um, so you want to have somebody who's monitoring this. That's the key okay. point. And, and certainly, there may be some individuals out there with hypertrophic cardiomyopathy um, who want to continue to get out there and run a marathon, maybe as a physician, there'll still be some reservations and it could be based on features that that specific patient has. And so there's still a counseling process. doesn't mean that everybody has a green light, but what we try to do is integrate what we think is still safe for that particular athlete. Arrhythmogenic right ventricular cardiomyopathy is a little bit of a different uh, and fortunate animal where exercise has been shown to actually make that disease process work, where there are good data from Johns Hopkins that have shown that. So we are a bit more conservative with that, and there's still many unanswered questions about what is safe for those specific patients. Uh, In my opinion, again, this is my opinion, is that there has to be a safe zone even for patients with arrhythmogenic right ventricular cardiomyopathy. And certainly it's not going to be strenuous level exercise. It may not even be moderate level exercise, um, which could be safe for a patient with HCM or hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. But we still need to define what's safe for them because a lot of patients with ARVC or arrhythmogenic right ventricular cardiomyopathy that are out there, I think are just fearful to do anything. Um, And so Hopefully, the science will tell us over the coming years maybe a safer zone where they can participate in. Looking at coronary disease, um, which is much more common, uh, as we discussed, there can be very severe forms of coronary disease, in which case maybe a former marathon runner who has a bad heart attack uh, and downstream consequences from that, maybe training for that next marathon could be considered unsafe. But there may be other forms of coronary disease where a cardiologist or a physician can guide that person through getting back to more um, strenuous types of exercise. What I have learned is that the endurance athlete um, has a very different mindset and we must be, we must appreciate that. We must respect that. And sometimes the psychological hit from taking away something from somebody um, where maybe the evidence isn't so good to where you're taking them away from that is supportive of that um, can be detrimental to that to that particular patient. For somebody who's not a hardcore endurance athlete and they just want to exercise for health, it becomes a little bit uh, probably less complex at times. Okay. But we should still be mindful of that, and we still want to encourage exercise. In fact, one of the first 
parts of therapy for any patient who has had a heart attack or um, some sort of revascularization. Maybe they had a stent put in a blocked artery. Maybe they had bypass surgery for multiple blocked arteries is cardiac rehab. It's actually getting them to exercise in a very monitored and structured program in a hospital where they're getting on a treadmill, they're following heart rates. That's one of the most important things to do right up front. So even for those patients who have had heart attacks and they're not out there running or training for Peachtree, it's actually really important for them to get to exercise. It's such an important part of things. That's awesome. I will tell you, D2, every time I'm using a term like hypertrophic, I have to look at my note, I have to slow down, and I have to work every syllable. To hear those things just roll off your tongue, it's kind of like iliotibial or patella tendonitis or something like that. <laughs> I guess it depends on what type of terms you're around every single day because those just roll off your tongue. And I am very envious because when we were talking to Dr. Kate and when I've had conversations with Malcolm, I, without my notes, cannot get the pronunciation right. I cannot not slow down. It is just really refreshing to hear how easily you say those terms that I stumble Well, it's, it's funny. I'll just, before the next question, I'll just say when, when we do our screenings of young competitive athletes and I have to go through these conditions because they're inheritable and ask about family history, it's almost without, almost at 100% where the athlete will just start chuckling and laughing. And I always think that's a good sign because that probably means they don't have that in their family. Uh, but they are strange terms. Um, thankfully, they're rare. Um, but nonetheless, we always must be mindful of them. Yes, very much so. So you're doing a lot of cool things and, and how we, I know you and I have gotten to know each other better is a lot of the research that you're overseeing and that you're doing here right now, we're, we're doing this on the campus at Emory University. So you're doing some really, in my opinion, stuff that will be legacy work for all of us who are busy getting the most of our, out of our pedestrian active lifestyle right now. Give all of us, me an update and all of our listeners, a little bit of flavor in terms of the type of work that you're doing. Yeah, I'm really lucky. I get to do exactly what I love to do. And uh, we've talked about the clinical side of sports cardiology and sports medicine, but that's also where my research focus aligns. Um, as it specifically relates towards endurance athletes, um, probably many folks who actually listen to this podcast are aware of some of these controversies because they're are either getting into running or they've been a runner for a long time. There are some controversies out there, um, and this is really more geared to those who exercise at the highest dose, the long-term ultra-endurance type athlete or, or endurance athlete that's been doing this for years, that's been racing, um, but have just gotten into this lifestyle. And there's some provocative data out there to suggest that there's some cardiac risk um, that downstream is associated with those who have exercised the most. Um, it's important as a major disclaimer to say that these are observational data. There are certainly limitations to the data that are at hand. Um, I always emphasize in any sort of talk I give or um, things such as this podcast to emphasize for the, the lay endurance athlete out there that nobody out there in their right mind should start saying you shouldn't do this. Uh, and anybody who is saying that based off the literature at hand isn't familiar with the literature. Um, Yes, it is true. There are some folks who are engaged in ultra-endurance exercise that may have some cardiac risk that we've diagnosed for a condition. And yeah, we should back down on what they should do. That's on an individualized basis. But in general, many of these controversies um, are, have, still have a lot to be learned. And these are arrhythmias related uh, to endurance athletes and even coronary artery diseases, as we have discussed. So with the observational data that are out there, a lot of the research I'm interested in, as well as others in this country and internationally, are really trying to understand who 
um, these individuals are who may be at risk, who like to engage in endurance uh, exercise or ultra endurance exercise, because it clearly is not everyone. The epidemiologic data out there have told us that long-term, very elite endurance athletes live quite well, longer than probably all of us, uh, if you look at some of the epidemiologic data uh, out there. Um, so there's, um, I think the data tell us that, sure, there may be a signal that there are some athletes out there, whether it's genetics, whether it's other lifestyle habits that they have. Again, remember that bad habits, um, exercise doesn't is not a cure for bad habits that one currently has or has um, had previously in their lives. And when I say bad habits, I'm talking about cardiac bad habits, um, dietary habits, smoking, things such as that. So exercise doesn't prevent all that. So I think there's a cascade of a lot of these things that then lead to a specific ultra endurance or endurance type athlete that may develop some of this cardiac risk. So that's where a lot of our research um, is uh, focused on and interested in. Um, over the last couple months with my partnership with the track club, I'm very thankful to the track club to support some of this early research. We're trying to build a database here in the Atlanta area through runners, a part of the track club, answering a couple early questions up front with a small subset of patients. But our goal long term is to really develop this type of database. And it's important anytime you talk about answering some of the questions that are out there is that it's going to take years. You can't just do a study over three months and answer a specific question. And that's one of the limitations of the data out there right now are these are cross-sectional data sets of athletes that are just studied at one time point. Well, that is fraught with limitation and error. What you need are uh, a, a large number of athletes, endurance athletes that are followed for many, many years. Uh, and that's when you start learning things. The perfect example for those who are familiar with this is the Framingham study. Uh, many lay people out there have heard of this. The Framingham study, which was uh, up in Framingham, Massachusetts, uh, this was probably one of the first really successful long-term registries. It's where we learned a ton about cardiac disease in the general population. Um, and now things such as smoking being bad for your heart, that everybody knows that now. Well, guess what? That was learned from data obtained from studies and registries such as Framingham. So when we talk about this growing pool of endurance athletes, understanding that many people are running races, they're engaging in triathlons, they're racing in bike races, um, this population we need to understand better. They are different than the general population. They're different than those that were in the Framingham study. And risk factors for this group um, have not yet been fully uh, detailed. And, and I think that a lot of risk that are present in master recreational endurance athletes are very unique. Bad training habits um, is, a notor is one that I think is probably very much a part of, um, of some of these controversies. We're all aware of, uh, I see patients in my clinic, a master runner, and I'll start going through their dietary habits, I'll start going through their training habits, and I'll say, so are you the, the runner that you know what, I gotta run at all costs. I don't care about that fever of 101 today. That five mile run is just the cure I need. You'd be surprised and shocked how many of them give me a wry smile. Um, and it's because it's, it's a, it is a uh, rampant habit that I think is probably not a good one. Similarly for diet. Um, I think dietary patterns and habits of many recreational athletes, because they feel so good and they're running so much, is probably not as heart healthy as it should be. And then the third stereotype, um, which is not so much a stereotype, but really a common feature that I see, are the master runner that was very unhealthy, 
in their 20s and 30s, living large. And then one day they decided, that's it. I'm getting healthy. And then the itch kicked in. And next thing you know, they become a two marathon per year type runner. Well, cardiac risk that was present years ago, if it was present for a long time, again, that, that doesn't just disappear. You know, if you smoke for 15 years, that's going to impact your life as you move forward. And so I think all of this all of these are features that we need to tease out in terms of understanding some of these questions, and that is ultimately what my research wants to address. So I had that wry smile. I'm not opposed to admitting that since this is a podcast, you normally cannot see it. But D2, you and I, before we turned the mic on, indicated to Dr. Kim that we're kind of in one of those subsets, that recreational runner who is an endurance athlete. We share an affinity. We've shared this, of course, before for long distance trail running, ultra marathons, off-road are still what I enjoy doing most. Although whether it's the AJC Peachtree Road Race or anything else, that always brings a smile to my face as well. So you've got us. But more importantly, who else do you need? We'll put it in our show notes, but for those people who don't want to go back and find a link, is there something that you could share very quickly that would give them information if they are similar to us or they know someone who would maybe meet that demographic that would be really useful to your study because we're not just doing it for ourselves. At the end of the day, this is legacy work. Yes, we may find something out that's going to be really helpful, but more importantly, I'd love for my son and daughter to learn something when this study becomes available in two decades. But how would someone maybe become a trial participant in some of the work you're doing? Right now, it's uh, we're recruiting through the track club. Um, okay, that's kind of so we always have to have something called an IRB approval um, for any sort of study, and that's through Emory. And so, we put in as a part of the study to recruit members of the track club. But ultimately, we do would we'd love to expand. I mean, uh, obviously, any long term um, master type endurance athlete are individuals that we're very much interested in, particularly as we get large as we enlarge as it relates to our outreach for this study. Uh, and then as our presence here in Atlanta grows over time and we're able to kind of expand on these ideas. Um, so as it stands right now, I would say looking through the connection of the track club may be the best yeah. way. And that's how we've initially reached out to some of our early study participants. And as I said, we're very early in this, you know, maybe um, just a handful of subjects at this time. Um, but we want to continue to grow on this. So we certainly appreciate the assistance of Big Peach. And I think over time, um, you guys will be very much helpful towards us reaching out to this community. Not just from a research standpoint, but I also just think promotion of good health for the endurance athlete. Step one is just to get people to exercise. But moving forward as it relates to those who exercise a lot, and those are many of the customers at Big Peach, certainly many of the members of the track club or the Atlanta Triathlon Club or all of these organizations here in this city, we want to promote heart-healthy habits. Because as I said, my opinion is such that there's a lot of cardiac risk that kind of finds its way to those who are the most fit and trying to promote these dietary habits, as we talked about training habits. I think that will make such a huge difference for that 65-year-old master runner that comes into my clinic with an atrial arrhythmia, um, which is one of the most common arrhythmias out there, atrial fibrillation, or we diagnose coronary disease. We want to catch those folks when they're in their 30s and 40s to obviously prevent what potentially could happen later on down the life. It's the same as when I interact with ex-professional athletes as well, um, try to encourage or current professional athletes try to promote good healthy habits 
when they're active because a lot of them forget or feel invincible and they um, it's hard for them to imagine whenever they stop playing that things can get out of hand quickly from a heart health standpoint. So promotional heart health is so important even for the most active. Well, and that's so true. And, and obviously we share an enthusiasm to get that word out. What I would love for you to do is to kind of take us into the break with some encouragement, what has been so awesome for me to hear. And of course, I came in wanting to hear this type of thing, right? That generally speaking, endurance activities, that's what you should be thinking about and ultimately doing. In addition, yes, exercise does positively impact those who have perhaps made bad decisions in the past, those who do have a family health history or something currently they need to be mindful of, and those who already are kind of in the routine but maybe aren't as consistent as what they should be, more consistency is the right thing. Those are all the things we wanted to hear. At the same time, as we go in to a break, what would you say that is just that general encouragement, not from an enthusiast perspective? D2 and I do that all the time. Many of our guests, whether it comes from an elite athlete or whether it comes from, we had a recent guest who had been homeless, who had had drug problems and admitted an addiction. We know how much better health is for him. He talks about blood pressure and blood-related diseases that now he does not even take medication for. But from your standpoint, seeing people come in who are unhealthy, having research subjects now through the Atlanta Track Club that are at least quasi-healthy, how would you just encourage a listenership that has some inkling that running, walking, a pedestrian active lifestyle is good for them? I think a lot of what we talked about is we know it's just good for you. Um, you know, imagine taking an antibiotic for an infection. Uh, exercise is like is that for just general health. It, it improves a lot of risks that one may have. Um, it helps cardiac longevity. It helps longevity as a whole. It just relates to overall mortality. And I also want to say something for those on the far end, the ultra endurance exerciser, because one thing I always want to keep ensuring is not to scare these folks um, because I think everyone would endorse the fact that if you engage in triathlons and marathons, you, you getting the health benefits of exercise is not logarithmic, right? So the more you exercise, that curve flattens out. You're not getting as much benefit from just health standpoints as those who got off the couch one day and six months later, they're just getting that 150 minutes a week. That is the largest bang for your buck. But those who engage in all of these events, there's something else there, right? It, it's there, there's there's a drive to do it. There's there's psychological drive. There's psychological health. There, there's all these other factors as to why people love to engage in these events. Oh, and by the way, you're still getting the benefits of exercise. So understand that yes, we're learning more. There's active research about trying to help this community more. Understand that, like everything, just because you do a health habit that's good doesn't make you immune from bad things that can happen to you um, from a heart or otherwise. So we want to try to encourage those to, who do those activities to continue to do it, continue to love it. Um, and obviously, for those who unfortunately may have some cardiac risk or disease picked up, we'll do our best to try to help you get to as much exercise as you'd like to. But again, all spectrum of exercise is something we should all engage in. Uh, and nobody runs marathons just because they think it's good for you. They do it because there's many other benefits for that person that help them. And you can't measure that with uh, a blood pressure cuff. And, and taking that away or trying to promote that as a bad thing for that person, yeah, I don't think you're doing that person a favor. So if there's a going away message, it's keep at it, keep running, keep doing your exercise. But just pay attention to your body. Understand Kate Edwards is a great example of this. 
seek help when something doesn't feel right. Fight the urge of invincibility. See your doctor. Um, and then, of course, if there is that cardiac risk that you know in your family, your dad had a heart attack, your mom had a heart attack in their late 30s or 40s, yeah, sure, before you get out there and start training for that next half Ironman or your first one, make sure you bring it up with your, your doctor and, and, uh, and ensure that all the appropriate steps are, are taken care of before continuing on with what you do. That is awesome. He is Dr. Jonathan Kim, a friend for sure to us, to the community, and to those who are fitness enthusiasts everywhere. Thank you for everything you've shared with us today, certainly for everything you do every day. It's very much appreciated. Thank you very much, guys. Loved it. Do your feet hurt? Feel any discomfort in your joints or lower back when you run? Your shoes might be the root of the problem. Whatever your fitness level, your feet should be comfortable and your shoes shouldn't be the cause of an injury or keep you from achieving your fitness goals. Come into any of our seven Big Peach Running Company locations for a free three-step fit process, including a video gait analysis. Our professional fitters will help get you into shoes that fit so you can enjoy running, walking, or any activity that requires you to be on your feet. Our 100% satisfaction guarantee will give you peace of mind if your new shoes don't live up to your expectations. Simply return them. No problems, no hassles, no time limit. We want to make sure you're completely happy with your shoes so you can achieve your fitness goals. Visit Big Peach Running Company today. And welcome back to the Run ATL podcast, my heart-healthy friends, D2. What a treasure chest that was, as we did indeed learn from Dr. Kim, a genuine expert in this particular field, an important field it is. What was your take on what he shared with us? Well, I, I mean, I think it just, you know, supports, you know, you know my, my need to, to run, to exercise. And it's like, not that I needed that, but it just helps kind of justify, I mean, there's a time where, you know, when I was unemployed and didn't have a, you know, you know gym membership, I didn't have a, uh, you know, health insurance and running was my health insurance. I knew that if I ran that I could be healthier and, you know, and any type of diseases or high blood pressure and like that, I could prevent some of that. So running became my health insurance during that time period. So it's great to have that, that, you know, an actual expert confirmed that, even though I think we all really kind of already know that. The research does suggest that. Now, what he's doing will confirm that perhaps, but when we see a lot of the studies released where he has had a substantial amount of input, it will be certainly very interesting. To your point right there, what you obviously connected was your perception that it would be good for you with what you said at the onset and certainly now have confirmed that has proven out in your life. One thing I would bring up just as a final footnote on this is maybe the theme of accountability. How I first got to know Dr. Kim was sure we're kind of running figuratively, I suppose, more oftentimes than not in the same circles. But when I had a friend of mine, he and I signed up for the same race. To be very specific, Cruel Jewel 100, not just by my own tradition of dramatizing or perhaps exaggerating on certain things, one of the toughest races in all of North America, one of the few domestic events where you can qualify for the Hard Rock 100. And when we had signed up for Cruel Jewel 100, my friend who is roughly 
my age, lives in Pennsylvania. Bob Weinhold, you're out there. You're listening. Thank you for this. This continues to have an impact on me. He said, look, we have children. We have children at vulnerable ages that if their dad's not around, that perhaps ends up setting them on an unfortunate course. There are lots of things for which we are personally responsible for. As much as we're going to dive headlong into this training like we've done for hundreds in the past, maybe now is the time we get our heart checked just to be sure we're not making a mistake that we would otherwise be wise to know about. So I made an appointment and who do I end up with but Dr. Jonathan Kim. And certainly he confirmed I was good to go, put absolutely no barriers or guardrails on me training as hard as I ultimately did for that race. Bob and I both finished, still a terrific memory for us. But that accountability that he brought to me, that at this stage of my life and what I believe would be every season of our life when we elect to take on that very intense physical activity, Having someone like Dr. Kim, who is an expert, speak into you to be able to say you're cleared to the best of the ability we have, the knowledge we can get to go out and do this, that is not something I would ever talk someone out of. Hold each other accountable, friends, family, coworkers, neighbors, hold each other accountable to be sure that you are heart healthy both on the roads and perhaps in the physician's office. We have something totally changing gears, but not necessarily theme, that is making our heart a race now that we are at the beginning of September. Yeah, so time is, time, time's going to fly really quickly, and I think that's what's causing our hearts to race. So, you know, some of you may already know, we have, it hasn't been a secret, we have posted on, uh, you know, Facebook, social media, and even sent out some email communications. But we're moving, we're re- relocating our Decatur location um, we're closing uh, the shop there on uh, just uh, at the Decatur Square and moving it north a little over a mile, maybe almost two miles, I'd say, to North Decatur Square. Um, and we're expected to open up on September 1st, if not earlier. We're keeping our fingers crossed. And then, you know, like many of us all know, if you've ever done any type of instruction, whether you're building a new home or even, you know, selling a home, sometimes you just don't know when you're going to move, when you know, things can fall through. So we're kind of anticipating um, uh, and a little bit anxious that uh, of, of our opening because at this point we're in the final two weeks and anything, an inspection, something not showing up on time, something could be delayed. So that's getting our heart racing. And uh, But we're excited. Because, oh, my goodness. So yeah, much so. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be, you know, in a brand new shopping center on the uh, corner of Church Street and North Decatur uh, Road. Awesome. And there's going to be, uh, you know, won't open up at the same time we are, but in several months, I think maybe as early as next, early next year, will be a Whole Foods 365 plenty of parking spaces which is something that we've struggled with at our current location in downtown decatur where parking is a premium now we're going to have a large parking lot to share with not only with uh whole food 365 but with a bunch of other uh tenants in this new location so we're excited about that we are it is like you said for a variety of reasons that our heart goes a little bit quicker it is also going to be quite a workout as we pack all the boxes and move out at the end of August and get going. But we are super jazzed about it. North Decatur Square. We'll make sure in our show notes, you have the exact address and a link to get you there. There are going to be some fun activities to celebrate the conclusion of a 10-year history in our current space. And of course, all kinds of fun right out of the gates at North Decatur Square. If you are not getting our newsletter, here is our encouragement 
to sign up for that. You can do so from the homepage of the Big Peach Running Company website. We'll make it easy. We'll put a link in the show notes. D2, the heart rate, we need to take it back to what would be a very admirable resting rate, but not for too long. In just two weeks, we'll be back with another episode of the Run ATL podcast from D2 and from me, as we always say, as we certainly mean in the interim, may your best miles be those covered on foot.